When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. Here on the channel, you can find podcasts, interviews, and content on a whole variety of subjects football, mental health, films, wrestling, music, conspiracy theories, pretty much anything you can think about talking about. We've got guests or shows on those subjects. Uh, so today, me, I'm joined by the co host of uh, Shake Them Ropes, Mr. Jeff Hawkins. And we're going to talk about last night's NXT TakeOver Toronto. Welcome, Jeff. Wait, we're not going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein conspiracy theories? Because that's what I was told about. No, good (laughs) Lord. That is such a a crap show over here in the States. Because it's the one thing that's unified this country is is accusing the other side of of it being a cover-up because they're a bunch of pedos. And I was just like, I was just like, this is the thing that's going to unify our country? Okay, great. Great on that end. But uh, yeah, I'm here to talk about uh, NXT TakeOver Toronto 2. Indeed. Yeah, do you know what, though, saying about uh, Epstein is that I had like a news notification come over my phone saying that he'd committed suicide, and I was just like, yeah, of course. That's the least surprising news <laughs> yeah. ever here, right? It's like it was. Uh, it was just wa- it's like getting and, a alert. Water is wet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I just sort of swiped it away. Didn't even like think twice about it. It was almost like it was expected. But then about an hour later, it said um, I had another one then saying something like uh, conspiracy theorists uh, are going wild because. Uh, Apparently, he had said that he had been someone's trying to kill him about an hour before or a day before he died or something like that. And I was like, oh. and so it begins. Oh, God. So. Yes, it's not paranoia if someone's really after you. But on the other hand, yeah, <laughs> um, I, hate yeah I, I just I just I just I'm I think he killed himself because he probably wasn't going to be in prison or he probably couldn't survive prison. And he had a lot of. uh he, he Frankie Five angeled himself. Let's put it that way. If you've seen Godfather Two, yeah. And the fact is, as well, is like uh, pedophiles are not the most popular of people in prison. Yes, especially when you're like a billionaire. They're not going into Gen Pop. Let's put it that no. way. No. Yeah. Uh, it's isn't it? I won't lose any sleep over it. I gotta be sad, but is where it is. So, mm-hmm. um, overall, what did you think of NXT? Takeover. I put it on tier two uh, of the takeovers. It wasn't one of those spectacular ones where you go running out and you're really hyped for it. Um, I thought it was solid wrestling. I, I think the storytelling was a little lacking, and I think it showed some weaknesses on the NXT roster. But overall, it was a solid show that you can't complain about. There wasn't a bad match on the card, even though people criticize the match, which it, it's odd because the most 
the, the match that people most criticized was that Shayna Baszler, Mia Yim match. And my partner over on Shake Them Ropes, we did a, we did a uh, post show for our Patreon, which, quick plug, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Uh, he, he said that was his favorite match, which intrigued me. And the reason he gave made so much sense, I turned on the match. Because I, too, thought it, there was something lacking in it. But the way he said it, he said it was just a great storytelling match. And it is. When you rewatch it, it it's, it's really solid storytelling. So, I mean, there wasn't a weak match on the card. But there are some questions and some logical questions that, that I do have. And especially some questions about the future of NXT after, after watching this. Yeah. I, do you know what? It's funny. You say that about the Baszler match. The first time I watched it, I didn't like it at all. The second time I watched it earlier, or later on today, I um, I did quite enjoy it, and I liked that it was different from the other matches, and I liked the story that it told, in that they were selling the opposite arm and that sort of thing. I could see why people didn't like it, and I could see why people would think that of all the matches on the show, that was like their least favorite. But I suppose it's, it's subjective at the end of the day. Um, beforehand, I was a bit like, I looked at it on paper and I was I was like, yeah, you know, there's some matches on there, which I really, you know, I know they're going to be very, very good. But then I was, think, I was thinking of all the people who weren't wrestling. And I was, you know, a lot of them, I was, I really would like to see like Matt Riddle and, um, Big Damo, oh, I forget his name, Killian Dane, Dane. And, and like uh, Keith Lee and people like that. I felt like they could have perhaps added to it a bit. So it was, I don't know if I'd say it was lacking star power, but they had it was lacking, it was lacking, yeah, it was lacking heat. I think, I think the builds yeah. for all these matches really didn't feel like, man, I can't wait till these two groups fight one another there 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 were there were stories but there were logical fallacies in each of the stories like they'd have a couple of really good weeks of building up something and then there'd be a week where you'd just watch and go huh like that and it really didn't fit into a lot of things and it told it ended up telling some some of the wrong stories and uh as you go match by match you see if you step back logically from it you're like yeah they they weren't telling the story they thought they were telling yeah, and I think one of the things for me was they, they a lot of the pre-show, I only watched a bit of the pre-show, but the, the bit which I watched, they spent a lot of time talking about Undisputed Era, mm-hmm. uh, like this prophecy of them finishing with all the gold. And they were, and they, they, they spent a lot of the Street Profits match talking about that. And then they didn't win the tag match, which meant that that storyline was dead. The entire story was done. Yeah. So you've just wasted, I'm assuming, a large part of the pre-show and a lot of the commentary in the first match around that story. So that kind of, I felt like that would have been an interesting sort of branch going into the triple threat later in the night. Because once Undisputed Era didn't win the tag titles, I kind of would have been very surprised if Roddy had won the the North American title. So it was a bit that it, it, that was one of my favorite matches, but it did take away the finish a bit from it for me. Whereas if 
Undisputed Era had won the tag titles, I'd have gone into that thinking, or you know, I, I think Roddy might win this, and I think that hurt that match for me a little bit. But you know, from a wrestling standpoint, it was all good. Um, one thing I did think about the so the Street Profits versus Undisputed Era for the tag team championships opened the show. Um, I was very happy for Angelo Dawkins because he's very much seen as it's uh, the other guy. Yeah, yeah, he is the other guy, <laughs> isn't he? And uh, Montez, like Montez Ford and his pal. And uh, I was pleased for him because I thought he was really strong. And I, it was, you know, even for me, who watches like NXT every week, and as I'm sure you do, and he's on, you know, they're on Raw as well. But I felt like he, came, he had a bit of a coming out party for himself, and I felt that he had a really strong showing. And I really, really like his spear, which he uh, used towards the end of the match. It's like a more like a tackle, but I, mm-hmm. it's quite, quite. You've got quite a unique look to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think his power moves were great, but yes, he he is in a team with a guy with charisma coming out of his out of his pores to the point where you watch what they do with that charisma and you you wonder why they're settling for him just being entertaining or them doing the uh the bad new age outlaws uh parody on 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 the go home show but yeah montez ford if 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 they knew how to do it with him it could be a world champion he has that kind of swagger to him he has that kind of look to him where they could do that but no angelo dawkins is perfectly good the problem with the street profits and this is what my partner chris brought up is they wrestle like two guys who are partnered with each other versus an actual tag team with actual moves and things like that they have their spots that they each individually do very well and they have that bear hug into a blockbuster double team move but they don't really you don't really see them gelled as a team. They they feel like two individuals with a gimmick. Yeah, and I mean, even the, the finish of the match was uh, Montez Ford doing the, the frog splash rather than a, you know, like a tag team finisher. I know they hit the blockbuster just before, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. There is a bit of that about it. And I think the problem... The problem I, I think on the main roster that they're going to have and they already have is that in Vince's mind, they are Crime Time Part Two. Oh, they're New and Day I, Part Two, I think. Yeah, I, I, well, I'd go been, more. I understand the Crime Time thing, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, no, the, no, Vince's worst instincts will kick in. They're, they need to. I mean, Vince will go in, and and I don't mean anything by this, but Vince will go in and tell them to be more street like. Yeah. As if Vince knows what that is, or or he's going to make them do song and dance stuff like they have been doing. It, it, it's either or. He's not going to treat them as serious acts, and and that's also just the dichotomy of the main roster versus NXT. NXT is a wrestling work rate type federation, and the main roster is about personalities. But I think they've got the personality to succeed yeah. on the main roster, but. It's just if Vince gets too much, gets his hands too much on it, it could become cringeworthy real quick. Um, well, it's already been cringeworthy for a yeah. lot of the stuff they've done on the main roster. If you've watched it, I mean, the thing with Kurt Angle was pretty good, but you know the 
the we want the smoke stuff and him doing the rock impression because apparently every African American wrestler needs to do the rock um, yeah. at some point. You know, it, it's you, you can already see signs where they don't quite get what to do with them. And the other thing I think as well is they, um, particularly on the main roster, and I think to a lesser extent on NXT, is every wrestler's got to have a catchphrase. Yeah. And it's like if they haven't got one, they try and force one. And and that, that comes into that, the we want the smoke or whatever it was. It's like with these, especially with Montez Ford, but with both of them, you don't need to force it because they're naturally entertaining. Yeah, they've, got but... over in, they've got over in NXT just by being entertaining. Um, you, you can't you can't tell Vince that though. Vince needs the hook, so it, it's it's going to happen, and it's going to be unfortunate because you can see where on the main roster Montez Ford is playing it real big, and the crowd kind of turns on it when he does. Yeah, I, do you think? Like I, part of me thought Undisputed Era would win this because I assumed that the Street Profits would be going up because they've already been up you know, in backstage stuff. Not that it matters because they took the Viking Raiders because, you know, it was desperate. They desperately needed them to be up there before they dropped the titles in NXT and then they've done not a lot with them. But anyway, um, I feel like if they stayed in NXT for an extended period, they could maybe do like an angle where Montez Ford if they either split them up and you could actually see what you've got with Montez, Montez Ford as an individual competitor, as a singles competitor. Whereas I'm not sure they'll ever get that chance on the main roster because I think they'll, Vince is just, but then he, he you know, one could be next week. He doesn't want any tag teams. So I suppose. Well, you could, you could theoretically do that. But the problem with that is then what do you do with Angelo Dawkins? Because Angelo Dawkins has been in developmental since uh, Shoot Nation, which was, you know, Gable and him and uh, Tucker Knight and, you know, all these all these guys who were like legitimate wrestlers and stuff. They've been looking for something for him to do for ages. I forgot there was another tag team he was a part of and it's like everybody would turn on him every week or something of that effect. So, yeah, you could, but you, then you can't get the Street Profits back. And right now, they probably have a better chance of succeeding on the main roster as a group and then breaking them up than they do in NXT if you break them up and then you decide, okay, who am I going to bring up now? So, it, it, yeah. it, it, it's either or. You were, you were saying uh, about the, uh, you're surprised that they won. I was surprised they won, too, because I thought they were going to, as we said before, I thought they were going to buy into the... Uh, the undisputed prophecy angle a little bit more. And then once that was uh, over with, it was just like, well, we can't talk about that anymore. Yeah. They just completely dropped it, didn't they? Uh, well, they had to. There, there's there's yeah, nothing course, to there's do no, anymore. Nothing to say after that. But then the other thing which got me was, or which I thought afterwards was, there's been, I've seen on a lot of sort of dirt sheets rather than reputable, reputable, reporters saying that maybe they're looking towards uh, when Balor's going to take a break and then when he comes back, he's going to be with the, the club or the OC and then for Survivor Series, maybe the Undisputed Era is going to come up. 
I think that's rushing it. And I also think that if they're going to go to FS1, they need the Undisputed Era badly. Well, they need everybody on deck if they're going to FS1. They need Johnny Gargano. They need, I mean, they need all these guys to be strong. And that's part of the problem right now is you don't really have any stars in NXT other than, you know, the Undisputed Era are good and they're solid, but they're not, you know, they're not a dominant heel stable per se. You don't have many dominant personalities in NXT to sell around. So I, I think, I think you're going to see fewer people elevated to the main roster from NXT, but at the same time, that presents a problem with what is kind of happening now to me. I think the NXT roster is very, very stale. There's not a deep bench of baby faces on either the men's roster or the women's roster, and they don't have that to go back on. And if you, if you look at it, it's like you look at this women's roster, the one baby face you have is Candice LeRae. For the most part, you have Tegan Knox and you have uh, Dakota Kai coming back from injury. You have, you might have Deanna Perrazzo if you decide to make her a baby face. Um, Rachel Evers, who would have been a good baby face, is, is out for a while because of the, uh, because of the knee surgery. So right now, your, your strongest women are Bianca Belair, who's a heel, Io Shirai, who's a heel, and Shayna Baszler, who's a heel. And you just beat Candice LeRae. So do you turn Shayna Baszler babyface as being respected, as a respected dominant champ? Because really she's the most dominant champ they've had on either roster since Brock Lesnar's title run. So do you do, you do the, we, we're now going to respect her because she's good? Because... You don't have anybody to match up against her except these two other heels right now. So it's it's a very odd position. And on the men's side, you have... I mean, you we thought for Toronto coming out of the uh, 25 that maybe Matt Riddle was going to be the guy to challenge um, Adam Cole. Cole. Right now you have Johnny Gargano who who's who's been cooled off to the point where he's almost a ridiculous character, and we can go into that in a little bit. But he was white hot babyface at the end of Rumble 2018, and right now he's a guy whose character has changed so much you don't know what to do with him. And you have a bunch of guys who have been kind of cooled off into the mid card, or you have people from that New Stars tournament. Those are your babyface choices right now, because Riddle was cooled off for this Killian Dane feud. You kind of have Keith Lee and Damian Priest stuck with each other and neither one moving up necessarily. And if one is going to move up, it's going to be Damian priest. Um, you have Jordan miles, the former ACH who's possibly going to be able to challenge somebody for a title and, and get up in that upper echelon. And you, you can always turn velveteen dream more baby face. And you also have Pete Dunn, but you just beat Pete Dunn. You kind of have Velveteen Dream carrying your secondary title, so you can't move him to the main event just yet, necessarily. You don't have very deep benches right now, and that, that's always been the hallmark of NXT, because you could just bring in more guys from the indies and stuff who were actual stars. And now you're kind of getting a thinned-out uh, pool to draw from in terms of actual star power on the indies, especially with AEW taking a lot of guys. So I... I you know, I think for this FS1 venture, 
they're going to have to do a lot better scripting for a while. And that was also something that concerns me is going live for two hours a night. One of the things that it's helped NXT tell coherent stories is their ability to edit and to reshoot things. And they won't have that now. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and also when you're doing tapings, you can book a story backwards Mm-hmm. into like you've got your match where you're going to which this is our match takeover and then you can book it backwards throughout all the episodes that you've got for the that period and they won't have that you know technically they should still do that but you know i think that is a lost art in uh, particularly in wwe um so one of the things gone completely off base now but it's all right um one of the things i suggested to uh sean ross in one of the Q and A's he did restore the last one he did was when they go to FS one is to merge two Oh five live and NXT. But this big announcement that Daniel Bryan's been teasing is you have him go down with it. So you have FS one and uh, you have this FS one show, which is NXT, but it's going to have all the two Oh five live roster plus Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan can be your big, you know, your big mainstream name. And suddenly you've got a bigger roster to play with. You can make fresh matches. Because one of the reasons I don't want to see Pete Dunne move up into the main event at the moment is because I've seen Pete Dunne versus the Undisputed Era a lot last year when they did the Mustache Mountain and they did all the different variations of the, that sort of feud and those matches. I don't really know if I want to see Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne again, even though it'll be a great feud and it'll, they'll have great matches and it'll probably be entertaining. I would quite like to see something fresh, and I was looking forward to seeing Matt Riddle and Adam Cole have a feud because their characters are so different. But they've obviously they sort of did a little U-turn with Matt Riddle and uh, where he, they wanted him to feud with Killian Dane. And I kind of get that. They wanted to bring Killian Dane in as this big bad heel who attacked Riddle, who's one of their more popular characters. I feel like they've really, really dropped the ball with Keith Lee. I felt like when he came in, he had the potential to do what they did with Samoa Joe, where they brought in Samoa Joe versus Kevin Owens. And then Owens went, and then Samoa Joe was like your big bad. Well, he was a baby face at first, wasn't he? And then he was the heel. But they they haven't really done anything with Keith Lee. He's had like one or two good matches, but nothing compared to what you would see him do in PWG or anywhere else that he, you know people would have seen him work. Would you agree with that, that they've dropped the ball with him? And do Somewhere. you like my idea? Do you like my idea? <laughs> for 205 Live and NXT to merge. I think 205 Live and NXT should merge because they're the same audience bases. It's obvious that the the main roster has an issue with their audiences warming up to these 205 Live uh, matches that are taped after SmackDown. Uh, There's no way you're getting Daniel Bryan on that roster. There's just... He's too... No, he's too valuable a commodity. They make too much money with him on the main roster... They're not gonna. They're not gonna ruin that by putting him, putting him down on the quote unquote minor show. I'm even sorry. For six, I, uh, even for six months, like short run, 
if he asks. No, no, because because what they I mean, the guy who was running 205 Live up until a few weeks ago was asking for people they weren't even using on the main roster and they couldn't get him. This Chad Gable short stint was was something that needed a lot of arm twisting. He was asking to use the Undisputed Era for a very short program, but there are there, I mean, these things are territorial and they're afraid they're going to be misused. So yeah. I don't I don't see I don't see Daniel Bryan going down there. As for Keith Lee, I like Keith Lee a lot. I do. I, I enjoy a lot of his matches. I enjoy especially his chemistry with the former Donovan Dijak. I could see where you watch Keith Lee and you don't get him. He's a big guy who's very acrobatic, and he has a few different spots that he does. And you, you look at him, and, and, and I could see them looking at him and going, he doesn't know how to work. I could. I, I, I just I don't. It's not a knock on him from me. I, I could see, though, them looking at his his athleticism and going, can he do that five nights a week? And then kind of downgrading him for that. Yeah. Um, I also think it's a little bit too much of he's, he's such a natural personality that they've played way too much into the personality as opposed to his size. Mm. You know, he he's recording his own theme music. He's a bask in his glory. He's He's... He's directing the crowd to sing along with him. And those are all things they tell you will make you successful on the main roster. The problem is he's in NXT right now, so all that advice should be kind of moot. And, you know, they've just booked... I mean, they book him to win a couple weeks, and then he loses a big match, and then it's just like, okay, what are we going to do with this guy? I think they signed him just to have him. I don't think they had a plan for him. And I think he'd have a great... He's had great matches with Matt Riddle. He'd be fine fighting him. That the Damian Priest match was pretty good. I think he needs a heel turn, to be honest with you. And that's bad because they don't have any so baby many. faces, but they stink at booking straight ahead baby faces. And they've they've really made Keith Lee kind of boring, to be honest with you. Yeah, he kind of someone his size, whether they're heel or baby face, whether they've got a little bit of that entertainment factor or a bit of comedy to their character, which I think he has. They should still be booked as a badass. Mm-hmm. And WWE just cannot book someone to be funny or entertaining. And as a badass, it seems to be, it's got to be one or the other, with the exception of Matt Riddle, I think. And I think that is more to do with him and his personality rather than and, them booking him. And like let's that. be honest, there, there are things we may not know about. He may have had a... He may have had a big head when he came in, or at least to them, what they think a big head is, which is means yeah. you have self self confidence. Could be they don't like his body enough, which is a possibility. I mean, there there are any number of small nitpicky things that they could have just looked at Keith Lee and gone, "I don't like that guy." Well, you put it this way: I I think if Samoa Joe hadn't killed it on the mic since he came up to the main roster he would have been ostracized into mid-cards. Nothing. He, he, and he, still still loses, loses. he still loses every big match yeah. he's in. So, I mean, it's not like it's not like the mic work has helped him. And you know what? No, but it's kept him like at the top of the card and had yeah. regular feuds. But, yeah, you're but right. On the, other hand, on the other hand, he might be very, very happy just making the money that he is at his age and not taking a lot yeah. of big bumps. Yeah, that's very true. Anyway, right, back to the... Uh, so, yeah, Undisputed Era lost. Uh, they sort of, they hit the uh, 
can't remember the bloody name. Street Profits hit the blockbuster Doomsday device for a near fall. Bobby Fish breaks it up. They, they brawl until they collapse, and then they kind of send them out. And then Montez Ford hit the flipping senton, and then the frog splash for the win. Then we had like a video package for the rivalry between Io Shirai and Candice LeRae. Uh, I liked the video package. They do these really well. Um, my one issue is they've done nothing with Candice LeRae since she's been there. She's always been like Mrs. Gargano, and then she was Io Shirai's backup. They haven't really portrayed her as being like a competent wrestler or like a star, which so then I found it, or should I say, if I wasn't aware of her work, if I was just someone watching and I didn't really know her, I would find it difficult to believe that she was going to beat Io Shirai from the start, especially this heel character, because they've done nothing with her. However, to get her somewhere they need to give her something and the heel turn and the attack and then this feud hopefully will propel her towards that and hopefully they can because I do think she is the closest thing they've got to a Bailey like Bailey baby face in terms of I don't mean like a Bailey character but as a straight up baby face with sort of no in-betweens I think that she's got the potential to be that but like you just said, they are not very good at booking straight up babyface. I think if Candice LeRae had been signed about eight years ago, she'd probably be the hottest star on the female roster on top, on the main roster. I do. I, I think I think they, they caught her a little too late. I think there were knocks about uh, the intergender stuff she was doing in PWG. Um, and, and also the blade, the blade job she did in the, in the, uh, guerrilla warfare match versus the young bucks that, uh, that were rumored to have kept them away. But this has always been the slot they had for Candace. Once they signed her, she's kind of gatekeeper to, to the heels, so to speak. Um, I don't disagree with you, but I, I also just never, when you watch them, you, you can see that they never meant to put that next level on her. So I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy she got this match because to me it was the best match on the card. It was my favorite match of the night. Okay. Um, but the problem was I never believed for a second that Candice LeRae was going to beat Io Shirai, and that comes to the build part. And the build was bad because it went from her being friendly to her being a psychotic person. I I, I just I wished they had built it a little bit longer. Maybe this first match, Io Shirai loses by DQ by hitting her with a chair or something after a great match. I know the crowd would have crapped on it because this crowd's about work rate and clean finishes. But this story needed to kind of be built with a straight wrestling match and then a, and then a match with a stipulation. And I think beating Candice right out the first time kills your story pretty much because Io Shirai dominated her. Absolutely dominated her. I liked the part where, where Candice was angry, went in there, started to fight before the bell rang. I thought that was kind of cool. 
EO gets the gets the big suplex onto the table, and so Candice is working from a disadvantage the rest of the match. I liked that. And the big moves on the on the run were spectacular with all the kickouts, because that's the way they do drama these days. But um to me it's 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 this is where Candace was slotted. She's lucky to get the main card uh match. I think she did everything she could with that opportunity, and I'm very happy for her. I think Io Shirai is the one that hasn't been used to her oh, to her God, full potential because yeah. she was the she was the best wrestler in the world when she was signed. So I mean, I can complain about Candice all day, but Io Shirai is going to come in and say, "Hold my beer." Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little done with the Io Shirai the the crying eyes as 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 you know to begin with you know as if she's remorseful. I'm I'm ready for her to just be badass psycho. So I'm I'm, but I love this match. I really did. It was the match I enjoyed the most on the card. Yeah, Io Shirai for me. I feel like the heel turn has given her a bit of a jump start because I felt like she, I felt like it hurt her that when she came in, they just automatically put her and Kyrie Sane together. Yes, and it just completely took all her momentum away as this big huge star. Because when she was signed, it was everywhere. Io Shirai signs with WWE, and I know it's everywhere anyway, but do you know what I mean? It was like a big, big story. It was a, She was the best wrestler in the world. And then they brought her in, and she was just Kairi Sane's mate. And it was like, oh. And they were building that this... story, and they had to abandon it when they brought Kairi Sane up to yeah. do, nothing, do nothing with Asuka. And I suppose if they had done this heel turn, between those two, then it may have been a slightly better build because it would have been a longer build. If so, if you think if you if this wasn't Candice LeRae, and when she turned on Candice, that was Kyrie Sane, it would have had like an extra month previous build. If you know what I mean. I think we will have had a match for the ages. I do. I, I think on a takeover card with those two. I think we would have gotten into Sasha Bailey territory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree completely. I'm hoping that if they do go with the, your idea of uh, Shayna going, like being more this dominant champ, which people respect, and she's a bit more, maybe not full baby face, but like she perhaps stops cheating and becomes this sort of dominant champ. I hope that Io Shirai takes the title offer through just being like brutal and just like, like you say, a psychotic heel. But yeah, so she, uh, she locked in the Kochi clutch and Candice passed out, which I thought was good. They should, I'm glad she didn't tap. I thought that was good that they made her uh, pass out because they, you know, technically she didn't give up. So there is that sort of wiggle room that if they do want to keep, I don't think they will. I think, like you say, she's the sort of, uh, she's doing what Tyler Breeze used to do for the men, where you mm-hmm. have a new new big star and they face them and, and where they're jump-starting it now as a heel turn. She's just the victory on the way to the, the main feud. The problem is, who does she move on to? Whereas the men, they would beat Tyler Breeze and then they could move on to numerous other people. Where does Yoshirai go now? I, d- I don't know. That's the question, because it seems to me like the last logical step is either Bianca Belair 
where Shayna Baszler and Bianca Belair is already a heel, and we've already had that match as well. So it's it's either that or you put the rocket on somebody like a Casey Catanzaro, but she's not at that level, and she's always... I mean, she's right now she's at what I like to call, uh, from the old territory days, she's Sam Houston level. She's that young young talent who you know people really like and they see a lot in her, but she hasn't gotten any big wins yet. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, you and again, maybe the return of like a Tegan Knox or a Dakota Kai could do something. Although like- Dakota Kai has just gotten... I mean, Dakota Kai looked like an idiot in that in that program against Shayna Baszler. She did, so it's going to be hard to build her character up as uh, as credible, but it can be done. Yeah, as a proud Welshman, I feel that I should say that I do think Tegan Knox has the potential to be a really good babyface for NXT in the upper sort of card. I might bring My over biggest... Tony Storm for a program. Yeah, I, I mean, that would be good. I mean, because that's someone who needs. God, if you, I mean, if you've watched her promos in NXT UK, they've been terrible for the most part. That's someone who can come over, get the crowd behind her, be a hot rock and roll baby face type, and take on Shayna again. And I, I think that'd be a perfectly good feud as well. So maybe what they could do is if they could get. Maybe a Dakota Kai or so, or a Tegan Knox to perhaps feud with Io Shirai next. In the meantime, just to build, keep building Io Shirai's heel work as uh, you know, like this brutal heel who attacks and hurts people, or whatever. And then if they brought Tony Storm over to beat Shayna, so the title was on a babyface. Then you could do Io Shirai versus. Uh, so at the end of the Tony Storm match, then. You have Shayna, so you have Tony Storm beat Shayna. Then you have you think Shayna is going to attack with the horsewomen after the match, but instead she offers up a handshake to cement the sort of going from heel to face type thing. And then you go into Io Shirai versus Tony Storm for the title, with mm-hmm. maybe Io. Getting the title, and then you go back to Baszler versus Yoshirai with the roles reversed. Yeah, you can always you can always do the May Young Classic uh, final. Oh yeah, of uh, course, yeah. Repeat too. So I mean, you you have history there as well. It's just they've been kind of reticent to bring over the UK people to work in the American territory versus low level Americans to work the UK territory. So we'll see. What's frustrating is that if you know they've brought back. Tyler Breeze and Fandango to NXT. It's, there's a shitload of women on the main roster who they could bring down to NXT who would lift that division off his knees. It, it's an idea, but they don't. They're not going to do that. They're, I, I don't see unless unless they're looking at it as a permanent demotion. They're not going to lower any women down to, to under that lower roster. I loved the idea, like when they had the tag titles. Oh, we'll defend it on any any property yeah. i would have loved to have seen it defended on nxt but they haven't done that yet because i think that well, was vince, vince doesn't even watch nxt so so there's this this notion that he could he, he would buy into the idea of talent going down there to help it yeah he i i, I, just, I just reject that outright yeah i could I, I could see your point of view i think I read something, I can't remember where I read it the other day, that the reason that there's so much uh, 
lack of clarity for the women's tag titles is because Vince didn't even want them in the first place. He was talked into it and badgered into it by Bailey and Sasha and whoever, you know, other people who wanted it. He kind of eventually gave in. And then because he doesn't really want the titles, he's not interested in booking a long-term story, which is why they took it off them at WrestleMania so suddenly. And then, of course, any plans to defend it in NXT or NXT UK have gone because you've taken the title off the two people who could go and do that because you don't want to see the the Iconics come down to NXT at the moment. But sending Bailey and Sasha down to come, you know, defend them would have been huge. Well, I, I think it's... Um... You know, that's a possibility because that was what happened with Rey Mysterio as champion on SmackDown a long time ago was he was talked into it and then he never really wanted it, so he kept undermining Rey Mysterio's title reign. I just think it's a matter of two different wants. I, I think Vince looks at those women's titles and say, hey, we can market this as we're, you know, we're supporting women's athletics and females' athletics and use it as a marketing talking point. And I think Bailey and Sasha really wanted these tag team titles to establish women's tag team wrestling when Vince really has no interest in having a great wrestling product. He he, he, he doesn't want you to st- he doesn't want you to stink in the ring, but he wants personalities. And he does he doesn't want classic five-star matches necessarily. He wants you know, if he could have a roster of Alexa Blisses, he would. Yeah. He also doesn't care about tag team wrestling. Correct. So when you co- combine the two, it's very difficult to, uh, you know, to get what people want from it. Um, so next up, Matt Riddle came out, demanded that Killian Dame fight him. Matt Riddle is super over. He is one of the few who is legitimately super over. Um, and he looks like a superstar. And because everyone knows that, you know, he's legit badass, that helps. Uh, I still think that I still think they could be doing more with him, which I find a bit frustrating. This brawl was awesome, though. Uh, they brawled in the ring, ringside, up the ramp. He is the, the flash knees, and then he's dragged away. And then Matt takes out security, and then and Dane hits a running crossbody and took out the security guard, and uh, then he locked him. Uh, Riddle locked in choke. Uh, Dane drives him against the board, and they go flying off the stage through several stages, uh, through several tables. It was a good brawl. I thought it was really awesome for what it was. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't really want to see Riddle versus Dane. Not because I don't necessarily want to see them fight at the moment. I don't want to see them fight at the moment. I wanted to see Riddle pushed right up the card. I'd rather see Dane fight like a Velveteen Dream or someone like that or a Pete Dunn to build him up as a big bad heel because I would assume, like for me, I don't want to beat Matt Riddle. If I'm booking it, I don't want to beat Riddle and I don't want to beat Dane at this point. So it's a bit stuck. What did you think of this brawl? That was fine. I wouldn't have had Riddle beat up security. I, I don't like having good guys beat up guys who are just doing their job. I think it sends a bad message, and I think it's a 
holdover from the Stone Cold Steve Austin era where he, oh, that's how you establish yeah, badasses. They'll just beat up anything that moves. I would have I would have had him pushing the security guys out of the way and then having Dane hit a move on him. But uh, Dane can attack all the security likes. I didn't like Riddle doing it. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um, yeah, and I, like I say, if, I, if I'm booking that, I don't want to be either guy, so I would have kept them apart. That would be mm-hmm. my only thing. Uh, next up, we had the North American Triple Threat. Uh, a lot of people's favorite match. Um, Not mine. It wasn't mine. No, it wasn't I, it, mine. It, it, was a, it was actually the match I liked least on this card. I'm similar. I don't think I, I – it wasn't like the very least, but it was in the sort of lower half, whereas I watched like the 5-4 podcast last night, and they all – you know, they both loved it. They thought it was great. Which, well, you know, it was okay. It wasn't It no. wasn't bad. Let's, you know, let's be clear. No, it, it wasn't no, bad. It, no, it wasn't it bad, was... but my but it was there was a style issue involved where you had you had Dunn and Roddy doing this great indie style wrestling, and then you had a main roster style guy like Velveteen Dream in there, and it was working around Velveteen Dream's weaknesses. And I, I just thought the ending of that match made Pete Dunn look like a geek, to be honest with you. I mean, he has to lay on that on the ground for like thirty seconds while Roderick Strong and Vel and Velveteen Dream throw each other outside of the ring to steal the pin. I thought, you know what, do a one-on-one match so you can either hide Velveteen Dream's weaknesses or so you can get the big pop between um, Dunn and Roddy Strong. But, I, you know, like what the Tower of Doom spot with the hey, arm yeah. thing, it just it looked like Velveteen Dream lost his grip and just jumped off the top rope and did a flip. I, I thought it looked kind of contrived. I thought a lot of this, sh- this match was very contrived to get it into certain spots. And I just, it, it, it didn't flow for me. It, it was, uh, it, it was choreographed nonsense for the most part. And I just, it was, it was still a decent match, but for me, it was just like, here's this spot we're going to do. Here's this spot we're going to do. Here's this spot we're going to do. And there wasn't that narrative flow that felt like a fight between three people. Yeah. Um, I kind of agree with a lot of what you just said, if not all. Um, so here's a question for you. Velveteen Dream is more suited to the main roster. I think yes. that's obvious to everyone. Um, he's not quite there in the ring for the NXT style, which is an indie style for the, for the most part. Um, he's not quite there for that sort of level but he's good enough to be on the main roster and his character and his mannerisms and his promos are all ready made for the main roster. But then there's an argument now where should they keep him on NXT because they want him for FS1 or should they move him to the main roster because that's where he will be better if Vince doesn't turn him into gold dust part two. Yeah. What would you do? Keep him? <sighs> trade him for someone? That's what I would try and do, something like that, where they do like a general manager trade type thing. That would be interesting. That would be the most interesting thing, because I, I just, I think this, I mean, I, I he's a postmodern, ironic main roster wrestler, where he's doing 
he's doing spots of guys from the 80s like Rude and and Savage and Hogan which will be very crowd pleasing. I just I want it far away from NXT right now cuz I when I watched him at first coming into NXT, I wanted the Patrick Clark who was this hyper athletic uh, basically Montez Ford type of guy that was just doing all these things that that was really learning how to be a good wrestler and had a hell of a personality on him. And now that they've concentrated so much on on the eccentric parts of his personality, he's really lost a lot of anything other than the set pieces that he's aping from the from the uh, from the wrestlers he's trying to copy, like the m- Macho Man axe handle from the top, and you know the, the the rude hip swivel and things like that. So I mean, I I think he has a much better future on the main roster than anybody on that roster. Just because he's everything Vince wants, but he's also everything Vince could blow in a second if he doesn't get him. So I'm, I think with the star power, I keep him on FS1. But uh, I, I like the trade idea. But uh, you know, I don't think you get guys making main roster money to take a pay cut. They've got the money to pay the main roster money. Yeah, but they NXT. won't. They, but they won't. No. That's that's just it. They'll they'll say, well, you're not in the main roster anymore. We're gonna have to adjust your downside. So if you could pick, you can't pick from. If you couldn't pick from the vet, you know, the top tier like your Styles and your Daniel Bryan, who do you think would be a good trade to go down to NXT for the Velveteen Dream? All things being equal, if they were going to be treated like stars and pushed to the moon, Mustafa Ali, Chad Gable. I think Heath Slater would be an interesting choice because I think that kid has so much talent that's been squandered um, yeah. to to a certain point. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, just, I'd think about putting the, the authors of pain back down there too just because they're not doing anything with them on the main well, roster and ready to come up. They could do with them, couldn't they? Yeah, um, them or the Viking Raiders back in NXT. Yeah, but the Viking Raiders are ready to be on the main roster. I mean, they they've been they've been solid veterans for years, whereas yeah. the Authors of Pain haven't been around that long. I could still use probably some training to be just badass big men. Um, but Chad Gable's the one that sticks out to me. That guy, that guy's money, and nobody's used anything with him, and it, it's just sad to me. I you know it, it'd be those types of guys. Mustafa, they sometimes work with on on SmackDown, so that's a good thing. Um, you know, I'm thinking the Cedric Alexanders of the world, the Buddy Murphys of the world, although they both of those guys have been elevated in recent times, which is a good thing. Um, you know, Leo Rush because he's on suspension would be an obvious pick to me. Is he still suspended? I forgot. I oh, forgot yeah. he even worked there. Yo, no, they're not firing him. They're 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 they've just basically sent him home and told him not to come back. What a waste. I agree. What a waste. Send him to NXT where he's with Triple H and he can kind of learn his lesson and they can give him a decent push in the North American championship scene. Have amazing oh, I'll matches. Give, I'll, give you, I'll give you another name. Grand Metalik. That guy's been wasted since the Cruiserweight Classic. Big big star. Big star when he came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chad, Chad, I like your Chad Gable. Chad Gable versus Matt Riddle. I love that. Mm-hmm. Next up, 
<coughs> sorry. Uh, next up, we had the NXT Women's Championship match. As usual, good uh, vi good video package. Um, so, like I said, the first time I watched this, I wasn't really into it. I, you know, it was good. It was decent. Good. I thought it was really good work. I just didn't really get into it. But the second time I watched it, I was much more into it. And I thought, oh, this was uh, actually one of my favorite matches. Uh, I haven't watched all of them twice, though, I have to say. But I've watched this twice, and I thought it was very, very good. Uh, it finished with the Kirafuda clutch, as usual. Oh, no, it didn't, did it? It was a reverse triangle. Do apologize. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing I did, I was, I didn't overly enjoy the way she um, transitioned into the triangle choke for the right. win, but it just, it just felt like it looked a bit awkward. That uh, the code, uh, the code blue off the uh, top turnbuckle was incredible. It was just unbelievable. I just, I couldn't get over it. The first time I watched it, and the second time I watched it, I was just like, wow, you don't get much better than that for spots. I thought, I thought the story they told was incredible. I thought, I thought the entire story with the, with the arms and not being able to lock in finishers, I think, was a great story to tell. I think the weakness in this match was that Mia Yim was not a baby face the crowd could get behind because they never really explained... They never really got in. I mean, you understood why she was attacking, as as, as Chris calls them, uh, play and fight. Uh, but but Jessamine and, and Marina, you knew why, but you didn't really get. They didn't really tell the story of them being locker room bullies. Again, they didn't rehash that. You you just saw Mia Yim going on this rampage, and then that last week, the the street trash stuff and the street rat stuff. And and her not not really responding other than you know game recognizes game it was a bad finish to the build and for me personally I don't like this Mia Yim character I like Mia Yim I thought she was a great straight ahead babyface then they toughened her up but they toughened her up to the point where she's a jerk and she was doing that in this match she was pulling hair she was fish hooking you know she was taking advantage of opportunities and you kind of felt bad for Shayna during the match. And that's not the yeah. story they wanted to tell at all. That's not the story they wanted to tell. So when she finally gets beat, you, I mean, this crowd wasn't hot for Mia to beat Shayna Baszler, which would, which could have happened if Shayna had gotten some measure of revenge in the build, you know, when Mia Yim was training, I mean, that, that terrible, Becky Natty thing. If they had put Mia Yim in there and had Shayna do it on week three of this build after she had beaten up her friends, then I'm I'm waiting to see this fight between Shayna Baszler and Mia Yim and the new Mia Yim. And I wanted an explanation of why she is now the HBIC versus, you know, the girl who would point to her painted fingernail as domestic abuse awareness and stuff, which was compelling and which was what yeah. got a lot of the Mae Young crowd behind her which was a, such a great story and now she's kind of you know it's kind of, <laughs> this, this is the worst comparison i can do but 
when Katrina and the Waves had that hit Walking on Sunshine, it was that bubblegum pop, you know, neon clothes in the video. And, so, and then they came back with the next album, and Katrina, the single off of it was That's the Way, and they were trying to market her as a sex pot. It just didn't work. They wanted the bubblegum pop stuff. And to me, yeah. that's what this was. And it's a good match. People didn't get behind it at all because I don't think they ever bought Mia Yim being a champion, and I don't think they've ever found her a compelling underdog babyface. So correct me if I'm wrong, but other than the Mae Young classic, haven't they always portrayed Mia as a heel, as the baddie? No, that's the name of her character. She's not a heel. She's just the head baddie in charge. Um, she she's a baby face who takes advantages of situations, but she's still a baby face. Uh, so it, it's it's one of those things where the shades of gray thing, where you're just like, oh, okay, so she's just a heel, but you don't want to call her that. Yeah, and they did, uh, yeah, I I th- but I but I do think you're right that they did put her in some baby face squashes. Like she, I thought she had so like I mean, a win against a baby face. Person, but don't quote me on that necessarily. I'll, I'll look it up on uh, on Pro Fight and see what I can find. That's right. That's what I mean. I feel like I felt like watching it, particularly the first time, that the crowd were almost confused in that they weren't sure whether they were supposed to be cheering her breaking the rules, which is always a risk when you have the the, the face do that type of thing. Is it going to go down the way you want it? sometimes the fans cheer it and sometimes no they... they always had her they always had her beating beating quote-unquote heels but those heels weren't necessarily established like reina gonzalez oh, who right. you know who's six foot yeah. tall and wrestles like uh stan hansen but they never establish her as, as pure heel she's just no. you know but they had her like in tag matches with tagging with like bianca against rhea ripley and reina gonzalez so they're they're you know they, yeah, they so had her was, and Karen. She was on the her, face side. Yeah, her and Karen Q and Rachel Evers were doing six persons against against uh, Shayna and her cronies. But they've also put her up against Deanna Perrazzo, who isn't a clear baby face necessarily, and also against like Ali and Vanessa Bourne. So, like like we said, they have a baby face female problem. Oh yeah, because they don't have any. Oh God, yeah. They need to. They need. It feels like they need to either sign some women, or they need to build up the women they've got better. Yeah, they, and I, yeah, they do. That, I, I would say it's the latter. I, I do. Definitely. So uh, after that match, we saw Walter in the crowd, which I thought was really interesting because I was under the impression that the reason he was in NXT UK and not NXT the US version is because he didn't want to fly out, but he was going to fly out for the big shows to do the occasional match. And I just thought, well, if he was going to be there, he could have been on the show. You know, Canada's a little different than the States, but yes. Um, and he was on, he was on 25, wasn't he? He was on NXT 25. So, I mean, I, I think, this oh, is yeah, mostly yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think was, this is yeah. mostly just, I think this is mostly just the push to push people who just watch stateside NXT to watch the big Cardiff show in three weeks. That's all that was. I I was more surprised by... uh, It's funny because they've been 
the Austin Theory thing and how little response he got in the crowd. Mm. I've heard he's. I'm. I'm not massively familiar with him, but I've heard he's amazing. I've heard he's really. Yeah, amazing. he. He's he's pretty good. Um, he borders on the flippy do side, I think. For if you're gonna knock him on something, but his whole gimmick and evolve has been future NXT superstar, future WWE superstar. Ah, okay. So so you so you'd think for a crowd that was really in touch with the indies, they'd get him a little bit better, especially after the evolve special, but. Uh, just proves that the guys who are stars on the indies aren't as big of stars as you think these days. Yeah, the same problem is is a large portion of indies have got their own streaming services. And yeah. yeah, they might they might not have uh, like a big following, but I feel like if you're into a particular to a particular indie, you're gonna watch that and you're gonna get their streaming service. And then maybe you don't watch the wider indies as much if you've got, say, uh, I don't know, say you've got the Progress streaming service and you've got the WWE Network, you may not stretch to like a third or a fourth. So people, I feel like, what was I trying to say? I feel like because there's so many indies and popular wrestling and wrestling, it is in a boom period with AEW and New Japan and things like this. Maybe a couple of years ago, he would have got a big response because it was kind of like WWE, then New Japan just below, and then everything else. Whereas now there's almost a couple couple of tiers in between the WWE and the indies, like genuine mm-hmm. indies and Evolve. There's more in between now than perhaps there was a couple of years ago. Maybe I'm wrong, though. It's been known. Well, no, but the, but you know, it's it's because these streaming services can now survive by not growing. It, it's one of these things that Netflix and Amazon and other streaming services are learning is that if you just have a small loyal audience, you don't need to grow the product. You just need to bring in enough of those small loyal people to keep it going. Yeah, you just reminded me of something I wanted to ask you, and I had forgotten. So. Um, for me, the only reason I have the WWE Network is simply because I want to watch NXT. It's the only reason I've got it these days. I've watched all the kind of old shows that I'm going to watch. You know, I do what I would what I do what if I'm doing some dishes or something. I might put like an old pay per view on or watch some in some old matches. But generally, NXT is the reason, and the pay per views is the reason I get the network. If they put NXT on the, and obviously the sorry the network number did not grow this year as much as it has previously, do you think putting NXT on FS1 is going to harm the network? Yes, but I also think it's going to harm NXT. Um, I don't like the move at all, to be honest with you. I think. I think Vince McMahon wins either way because I don't think he has a lot of use for NXT, to be honest with you. Um, it's a half-assed measure to take on AEW, which has a much stronger network that they're on. Um, so if they, if, they, if they draw viewers away from AEW, it's a win. But if they get creamed in the ratings, Vince could look at Triple H and go, see, your style of wrestling isn't working against in, in the ratings. 
uh, we need to go back to main roster style for developing these people, and that way we can develop stars. I, I, I just view it as it's a no-win situation for NXT, quite frankly, because if they do beat AEW in the ratings, then you're going to see a lot more snarking about NXT. And, and yeah. you're going to see a certain critical backlash that you haven't seen in a while. But I don't see that happening on FS1, which struggles to get viewers for their normal programming. So, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Obviously, in this country, we haven't got FS1. Um, obviously, AEW in this country is on ITV4, I believe, which is a free-to-air channel, which is not, it's not the same as ITV. ITV is huge. ITV4 is a bit more niche, but it's... It is a free-to-air channel. You know, it's on in the middle of the night anyway. So the people who are going to watch it are more likely to watch it because it's free than they would. If you're on Sky Sports or BT Sport, as WWE has gone, costs like £20 a month just for the BT Sport. So it costs like an extra 20 quid just to be able to watch Raw and SmackDown. So where does, like... What's FS1? Is that like a paid paid channel? F- FS1 is Fox Sports' answer to ESPN. The problem is ESPN has such a dominant market share that the only thing that really gets ratings on FS1 is college football um, during the fall. It, it's been seen... I mean, they've tried everything to counter-program against FS1. It's it's sometimes not even on your first tier cable packages. Sometimes you have to pay for the sports package, which is extra, which gives you like regional sports networks and say like the CBS sports network and the NBC sports network um, to, to get FS1. So it's also not as readily available to a lot of viewers. I, you know, it, it's tried its best to be ESPN. Uh, it used to be owned. It actually was bought out in this Fox deal, and then they decided that antitrust regulations wouldn't allow that. So it's going to struggle to basically be the whipping boy for ESPN for a long time. And it's going to be out there on your, you know, if, if ESPN is in your 200 ranges, it's usually in, in, right in that package, or it's in like the 600 where all the sports channels are. So it, it's not the strongest channel to be on. It's kind of like being on... It's 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 the same point of view where if I think there was a week where they were going to move they moved a main show of something from Fox to FX and the ratings plummeted. It's that kind of tier. It's 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 taking it off of something everybody has to something that's kind of a niche uh, channel. Although FX has gotten stronger since then, it's one of those things where. Not a lot of people know where it is on the dial. Yeah. So what about TNT? Is that free to air for everyone? Um, no, but it's on. It, it's a it's a stronger channel. It it's it used to be and still remains one of the most powerful cable channels out there in terms of original programming and things. It's it's it comes with your basic cable package if you bought ah, a cable package. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. Finally, we had the main roster, uh, oh, sorry, the main event, which was uh, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championship in the two out of three falls, or it's basically a three stages of hell match, which uh, I saw a lot of people in the week sort of running up to it, thinking that the third fall was going to be uh, a loser leaves NXT 
Uh, People taking my heat because I called that. Yeah, I, I that was mine too. I thought for sure this is how they get rid of Johnny Gargano for a while, but uh, no, no, they didn't <laughs> seem to. And I, I, I wasn't a massive fan of having the straight up match. I don't know why, but I guess I suppose that if you'd had a third gimmick, it would have been too much. Maybe so. I thought maybe it, it was. I okay. thought it, no, I thought it fit in with the uh, with the Adam Cole character. Because yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. so he's so into number one beating him in that one match, which was a straight wrestling match, and also knocking Gargano for being quote unquote Johnny Wrestling. Well, I'm gonna beat you at your own game. I, I thought it, that was a interesting anti stip stipulation, which I, I I dug. Um, I did not dig the third match stipulation. The uh, what turned out to basically be a monsters ball match from TNA. Weird one, wasn't it? Yeah, I. Here's the weird thing about Johnny Gargano right now. Johnny Gargano was the hottest babyface in wrestling, all of wrestling, in January 2018. And the story they're not meaning to tell, but the story they have told anyways, is that every time Johnny Gargano does something less than pure, he always pays for it and looks like an idiot in doing it. The story of this match, while the match itself, the three falls and everything, were, were fun and enjoyable to watch and well-worked, the story of the match was absolutely ridiculous because Gargano blew his chance to win this match to get DQ'd for the second fall, and then, like an idiot, gets this barbed wire thing, goes upstairs, and they both somehow, for some reason, jump off this table through a couple of other tables. He gets his ar- gets the arm put over him for the one, two, three, and now what do you do with Johnny Gargano? Because you can't, you can't put him in a title match anymore. You can't have him be the crime babyface. You have to cool him down. You have to take him off TV for a while. So that's why I thought the loser leaves NXT was perfect because then you could put him away, let him rest up until October, bring him back, and he's the main star of this show. But as you have it right now, he's he's an idiot. He's an idiot babyface who does stupid things instead of doing the right thing and always pays for it every time. <laughs> yeah, it always blows up in his face, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the first match was the the rest straight up wrestling match, and uh, basically Johnny. Uh, I think Adam Cole brought the chair in, but no, Johnny brought it in, didn't he? Because he chucked no, it. no. Orig- originally, it was originally it was Adam Cole. Adam Cole then gave the the chair to the ref and kicked Johnny in the nuts. Ah, and then after that, yeah, sorry, yeah. after that, Gargano goes out and gets the chair. And the referee warns him, and instead of giving him the chair and then kicking Adam Cole in the nuts, yeah, he just hits, he hits Adam Cole with the chair. the chair. Which I just, so he, oh, I get it, I get the story. And then you, but you, what you need to do was, you have him beat him down with the chair over and over and over again, and then pin him, as opposed to having a match. Yeah. So he gets the advantage of it. Yeah. So then he doesn't look like an idiot, but he did. So he got disqualified for the first fall. He then beats him down with the chair. Which is what you'd expect, because they so he sits on the chair, uh, and then and they announce that it's a street fight, wasn't it? And uh, and he gets a smile on his face, and he starts beating Adam Cole with the chair. And like you say, if he had then beaten him, that's fine. But he didn't. He beat him with the chair, beat him with the chair, and then eventually Adam Cole sort of works his way back into it. Um, he does win the street fight, but because they had a match after he got disqualified, 
he still looks like an idiot because he didn't get the benefit of getting disqualified by hitting him with the chair. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's absolutely inexcusable, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's poor. It is poor. It's poor, uh, poor booking, to be fair. The um, There were some unbelievable spots, particularly in the, the sort of third. The, the lawn dart into the chair was impressive. It looked that looked really good. Um, so Johnny Gargano beat Adam Cole for the second fall, which was the street fight. And then you had this cage lower down, which has got weapons all over it, at ladders and sledgehammers and chairs. Sledgehammers, one of my least favorite weapons in a wrestling match. And well, you know the why? other because thing they did. Oh, go ahead. If they, I was just going to say, if they, it's all right to use it, but it's got to be the finish. It's got to be the finish. If you hit someone in the ribs with a sledgehammer, with like any ferocity or in the head or whatever, you've got to win. That can't be. Yeah, and they never, and they never, and they never hit him with that. Really, they never really hit him with the no. hammer. They do the. Uh, it's the hand over the end. With, with the hand, hand over the handle or whatever, and you do that. Uh, there, there's another issue that this match had too. Um, actually, two of them leading up to the finish. Uh, in terms of how we've been conditioned as wrestling fans, if you see a burlap sack, what do you expect in that? Yeah, the, the fans turned when uh, there was no thumbtacks. You or or glass, yeah. They, it, yeah, it was ha- handcuffs and a wire cutter. Oh, okay, we're going to have the wire cutter. Oh, look at Gargano. He's cutting off barbed wire. You expect to be able to see the barbed wire in some way also. You expect some blood or you expect something to happen yeah. here. I thought no, he was going to wrap it around run. his wrist, I did. Yeah, I, I, I had that or around a pole or something. But no, they're not going to do that. They, they they tease that. And then he climbs up to the top of this cage and just gets thrown through a table by jumping off with Adam Cole. There was nothing to that fight that made them jump off that table other than jumping off of it. That was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it was bizarre. And one another one of my pet peeves in wrestling at the moment is Canadian destroyers. They're, they look impressive yeah. and devastating. Like- but we had Adam Cole hit two. He hit one normal one. Then he hit one kind of where he jumped off the ladder and then did it. And then they didn't. And neither of those, you know, it was just a near fall. Then I think John did. Johnny hit one off the top rope. Yeah, he did, didn't he? I'm yeah. Sure he did. yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah, Adam Cole hit that one off the ladder, which was ridiculous, especially with the bad knee story. Uh, Adam Cole hit one, uh, yeah, and then Gargano hit one as well, I think. Yeah, uh, it's just frustrating, isn't it? You know, but yeah, um, so then he goes up to, he gets the burlap sack. The whole arena thinks it's going to be thumbtacks or glass or something, and it's like wire cutters and was it handcuffs? Yeah, they didn't use those either. I was expecting them to use those a bit. You've gone really robotic and staticky, yeah, Jack. Oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Wait to kick in, kick in again. How am I doing? How am I doing? Worse. Hold on, someone is going to this. Yeah, there you go. See if that works. How's that? That's that's perfect. Okay, like yeah. Really... No, I think it, it was the connection on my mic on the computer. Ah, it's okay. Cool. Yeah, so they, 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 and the crowd booed 
and you know and that's not what you want at the this is like the the peak of the match where it's about to finish and they he tips out the bag and his bolt cutters and handcuffs so he goes to cut the barbed wire at the top of the cage um and then adam they're both sort of at the top of the cage and they take well you know it is it's an impressive bump and i'm sure it hurt but it, it it did look like they jumped rather than they fell yeah. or one. It, 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 like the it looked like they were fighting. They were fighting. They grab each other. They look at each other for a second. They nod and they kind of square dance over together. And they missed one of the tables, which was even scarier. Uh, went through that second one that was lucky to be there. It looked like uh, yeah. Cole cut up his back pretty uh, pretty bad on that too. So. I know you're a connoisseur of the uh, older style wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I think I've noticed over the sort of maybe the last five years or so is that almost before a big spot off a cage, it's almost like that. Look at each other, nod, do the spot. Yeah, um, I know it's, it's Charlotte and Becky spring to mind where they fell off the side of the cage. Uh, I think through a table or one of them fell through the side of a cage in a hell in a cell when they're on the outside or through a, the announce table. It, um, I never remember noticing that, you know, in the, the attitude era. And maybe it's because they just didn't give a shit about their own bodies and they just used to just throw each other off these things. Or maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I'm more aware of it now. But it is something which I'm noticing more and more where you can see them like it's almost like that final check before they do that fall. And don't get me wrong, I don't want them to. I'd rather them do the check and do it safely than not do a check and one of them gets hurt. But it does take you out of it a bit. Yeah, I mean, what takes me out even more is that these things don't do much damage anymore. I mean, look, I mean, I come from. I mean, <laughs> it's gonna sound like Grandpa Hawkins coming on here, but I mean. Back in my day, when you did a pile driver, it would knock you out for three months because you broke a guy's neck. Now you're yeah. jumping from the top of a cage on Hell in the Cell through a guy in a table, even if you're landing on a crash pad, and he's back the next night wrestling on Raw. Oh, and I you're just so. like, none of that, st- none of this stuff matters. I Find mean, it, it's... Sorry, I mean, excited it, to interrupt. Oh, no, one, but it's also, you... it's also desensitized audiences. To the point where yeah. we need more vicious and vicious stunts to make it feel like it's been a real fight because we're kicking out of three Canadian destroyers now as opposed to that being a finishing move of some kind. So, I mean, it's... I'm from the less is more quality. I, I think the point of wrestling was to do damage to people and the point of WWE in many ways is to show that these people are, are more superhuman than normal yeah. humans, and I think I think those two philosophies clash. Yeah, definitely. I mean, two things which sprung to mind when you were saying about that is like first the pile driver is where you say like a pile driver would be used infrequently, but when it was used, it would be a broken neck. The guy would be out for a time. Now we're seeing three flipping, literally flipping pile drivers in the space of probably three minutes. None of them ended the match let alone had any repercussions for injuries. And the other one was the Brock Lesnar attacking Seth Rollins the other day. Great angle where he, he brutalised him, and I thought it was one of the better beatdowns they've done you know, in recent times. The problem was 
he was on the house shows the next weekend. He was on Raw the next week. If they could, he looked like a geek the next week too. I mean, yeah. it, it's just oh, now they're gonna sell this injury, and now he's gonna come down. Now he's gonna get beat up even more. It's like it, it's the the ways that they do these injury angles are dumb. I mean, it's. But I mean, again, I mean, half of Dusty Rhodes's big angles came as a result of somebody jumping off either the middle or top rope onto his ankle with a knee and breaking it. And it's like, oh, Dusty has to, is Dusty ever going to come back from this? And then Dusty gives these fiery promos, how he's not done yet. And, you know, I've been on hard times, daddy, and all these other yeah. things leading up to these matches. And it, and it meant these moves don't mean anything anymore. And that's a problem. The, the whole point of independent style wrestling to me in 2019 is you go full speed, full speed, full speed until you catch a guy with a move and you end up pinning him as opposed to the wrestling I grew up with, which is you do damage and damage and damage until you've damaged him enough to hit your finishing move, and then you pin him. Or sometimes yeah. you don't even have a finishing move. You've just damaged him enough to finally get the one, two, three, or the submission win. And I, I understand the shift. It's just I think it's done a disservice to big spots, so to speak. Because again and again, WWE's only way of scripting drama is to yeah, kick out of these big, is to kick out of these big moves, and crowds don't get into these moves or don't get into these matches until they've seen the first kickout spot. Yeah. So it's it's going to take condition. It's going it's going to take conditioning, and I think AEW may have a chance to do that, but uh, you know, I I have my doubts with them as well. Yeah. So um. Yeah, so they both jumped off the cage, through the table, and uh, Adam Cole draped his arm for the win and retained his NXT championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was NXT. What would you give it out of 10, Jeff? Overall? I'd give it a solid 7 or 8. It, it, was, it was still, I mean, for all my nitpickery about storytelling and stuff, the matches itself and the experience of just sitting down and watching a solid two-and-a-half-hour wrestling show was fantastic and there's no dead weight on here it gives you what you want it, it's just they, they have some problems with storytelling and that's my go-to in terms of nitpickery but you can't nitpick these matches very much no the work's good and it, like, it helps that it's only two and a half hours long because yeah. it's just enjoyable action then for like two and a half hours and I, I yeah i'd say like a seven and a half maybe an eight Thought it was really good. With there was things I would have done differently, and bet maybe they could have done better. But overall, there wasn't a match on the show where I was like, could have done without that. I really enjoyed each match for its own reasons. Okay, so that was NXT Takeover, and uh, thank you, Jeff, for joining me. I appreciate you coming on again, and uh, the short notice as well because I only messaged you a couple of hours ago. So I appreciate that, mate. Uh, tell the people where they can find you on the social. Uh, you can find me at Crap Game 13. Crap Game being a character played by Don Rickles in a 1969 movie called Kelly's Heroes. Number 13 being my favorite number. Crap Game 13. Uh, I do a show called Shake Them Ropes. You can follow just the show at all one word, Shake Them Ropes. We are on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network if you look up voices of wrestling or shake them ropes you should be able to find them on your podcatchers you can occasionally find me on post shows of pay-per-views or nxts on fightful over at fightful.com 
And uh, other than that, or you can occasionally uh, see me talking wrestling uh, on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, guys, make sure you check out uh, Shake Them Ropes Patreon as well. Do not forget. Uh, Patreon. Follow... Yeah, let me plug that oh, real quick. Patreon.com yeah, slash Shake Them Ropes. It's as little as a dollar a month. I'm not trying to. Basically, I'm trying to uh, give my partner some beer money uh, for editing and, and doing stuff audio wise. Uh, it's a buck a month. We do about two shows a month, extra live watch longs. Uh, our last one was hot takes of, uh, of NXT takeover, but, uh, it's generally more historical stuff because my wheelhouse is eighties NWA and eighties territory wrestling. And that's what I really like talking about more than say the current WWE product, but we do some watch alongs. We do some snarkery. Chris is about to go into the uh, career of Eric Watts. You can go there, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Thanks a lot. I highly, highly recommend anything which the shake them ropes guys do. Very funny dudes. Very enjoyable to listen to. And uh, they were the first wrestling podcast that I listened to on a regular basis. So there we go. Uh, you could check me out on Twitter at acecast underscore nation, YouTube dot com slash ace podcast nation and facebook.com ace cast nation uh apple podcast spotify stitcher all them great podcasting networks anything else to add jeff nope thanks for having me no problem at all thanks guys for listening thank you to jeff for coming on and uh see you next time Podcast Network.